Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. Meanwhile, in New Jersey... So, Marissa, what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well, Jackie, let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy. Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil and horror. We can point out the triangle boobs, talk about the blood splatter, and, oh, the practical effects. Um... And also the male gaze. My gaze at the males. hi From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app. I just stepped out of a little phone booth and now it's time to talk about Bill and Ted's bogus journey, which was originally just called Bill and Ted go to hell. But the studio said that they're not allowed to put hell in movie titles, which is weird when there's like 14 Hellraisers. But (laughs) so here's here's where we're at with this movie. I fucking love this movie. Scott fucking hates this movie. Bill hates it. He's indifferent to this movie. And I, I think I've figured out a big thing with this movie and it's it comes down to one simple thing you either are charmed by bill and ted or you can't stand them and if you can't stand them it's a tough ride because there's two bill and ted's for the entire movie (laughs) Um, yeah actually there's three bill and ted's at the end oh that's true uh which i will say this right out the gate watching this movie probably 15 years ago in college uh, Shrop and I very briefly formed a t- a techno punk band called Good Robot Uses Meet Evil Robot Uses, um, and it was so. Just uh, what, me. Was, what was your first track like? Uh, <laughs> our first track was a ten second song called "I Said Plum," where it was just us and GarageBand making all of the instruments as fast as they could possibly be, and Shrop screamed Colonel Mustard in the in the study with the candlestick. And then I said, no, it was Professor Plum. And he just started screaming. I said, Plum, I said, Plum, I said, Plum. But it was all auto-tuned to sound robot over top of it. It was a wow. fucking stupid project. But we had so much wow. fun making dumb songs for this thing. That is uh, the most college thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I 
will state up front what I love about this movie because I have a lot of notes, but they're mostly quotes from the movie. I appreciate this movie because it went in a completely different in in a world where people make sequels that are literally just a carbon copy of the original movie. They were like, fuck that. We already did our time travel movie. Let's just kill the main characters and have them just bounce around through planes of existence now, which is just such a strange thing to do for your sequel to like a very financially successful movie slash TV series. There's a TV uh, series of Bill there and Ted. There was an animated series for Bill and Ted where Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter voiced their animated selves throughout the entire TV series run. How the I own fuck? It. The entire series I own on DVD. Wow. And you're indifferent to this movie then. That's that's what shocks me the most. Well, no. So here's the thing. I loved this movie growing up, um, but it was uh, it was like an ironic type of love. And I think the thing that makes me more indifferent about this movie is the there's a few scenes in this movie that are genuinely funny to me, which makes it less cheesy, which makes it more of a fail at a comedy. If that makes sense. Sure. It was almost like, a, oh, this is such a classic, like 80s fucking for its time is stupid. And it's like, oh, this is like a super meta movie. So it missed the mark on things that I thought were funny because they were stupid. But it was genuinely <laughs> trying to be funny. And it, it got me to laugh a few times. I mean, not to jump ahead, but the fucking falling in the empty, endless pit. <laughs> <laughs> it gets me every time. <laughs> uh, see, I'll say the joke that makes me laugh the hardest, and it's such a build towards it, is, you know, throughout the whole movie, they do the air guitar with the guitar riff stuff. But there's a scene. There's a scene exactly where Ted, where Ted possesses his dad, and Alex Winter it's gives the guitar joke. riff, and then when he goes, it's like this folky James Taylor music, and it makes me laugh every fucking time. Of um, all the things I hate in this movie, I think that scene is the thing that I hate the absolute most. Really? The guitar, the guitar riff. Or no, just no. That when they joke? possess their dads. Oh, that scene itself is pointless but that one joke makes it worth it no, for me no it actually makes an insufferable movie painful like i felt physical manifestations of my internal you were so you were like pain. messaging me with so much rage about this one i just i i couldn't even scott roger because i was like there's got to be something in here there's got to <laughs> be and so i watched it at regular speed i hate you i hate I, everyone who picked this because this is the most insufferable pile of shit I've ever had to watch for this. <laughs> I needed to get, I almost asked Stephen Bay to be on this episode because he loves this movie. I was you like, should have just had him sub his ass in for me. <laughs> Call him up right now. <laughs> uh, there's, I mean, there's lines and I kind of agree with Brian too, is that there's like, there, Bill and Ted are very inconsistent at points where they're like completely idiotic and stupid but then they have like these lines that i think are pretty smart uh, and make me laugh uh like when they're about to possess his dads and he's like do you think this will work he's like well it worked in exorcist one and three which is like a weird joke and then the other one i like is when they get to hell and they're looking around and he just goes man we totally got lied to by our album covers man <laughs> like there's like these stupid metalhead jokes in there um this My is why favorite. I should take notes, because there's one other scene that made me laugh, but I can't for the life of me remember it. Was it I totally loogied on that good dead me? No. Um, <laughs> no. Wait, so the, uh, 
Or is it anything that involved William Sadler as death doing like an extended (sighs) Seven Steel parody? God. I can't remember. I'm sure you'll bring it up and when it happens, I'll be like, oh, I laughed at that scene. But (laughs) not even William fucking Sadler could save this movie for me. I think that he's so obnoxious in it. No, I can't remember if it was Alex Winter or Keanu Reeves, but one of them has the best read of a single word I've heard in a long time, which is they do the Seven Seal thing. And he, you sunk my battleship, <laughs> and um, they they're like, hey, we won. And he goes, you must play me again. And I think it's kind of Reeves just goes, what? <laughs> like, and it's the <laughs> most like genuine, like how dare you insult it response. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, but yeah, there's. So I will say this movie. There's a this movie scared me. It's one of the movies that scared me as a kid. Uh, early on, and it's the scene where the Bill and Ted robots rip off their skin and show yeah. the robot. Oh, yeah, they're great. Skeleton. That's I, a great that, part. That freaked me the fuck out. Like, I was like, what is this? Because, again, I was like, hey, Bill and Ted Excellent Adventure was just like this fun thing of two stoners bouncing around time. They couldn't say so- Socrates correctly, so they said Socrates. And it like, fucked you up for life. Oh, yeah. And now that's, that's why you can't say words. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Um, <laughs> Just weird ass cameos in it, like the founder of the Faith No More spiritual and theological center. Um, when they bring in the guitars from Faith yeah. No More for a class, yeah. like just weird. So, um, so I need to say a couple things. the The best line of this film is the one that everybody rips from the movie, where they go, "We used to be pussweeds, but now we're metal." Um, that has oh, been in see, so I many thought- songs. I thought you were going to say the very the line that comes right after that because that's got a full on evil robot chubby. Well, no, that one he goes, she goes because he's like the ro- evil robot characters are jumping all over the girls, and they're like, "What's gotten into you?" And he goes, "We used to be pussweeds, but now we're metal. So get over here and put out." And <laughs> like, like it, it is just so insane. Um, yeah, full on robot evil robot chubby. I have written down. Uh, medieval england iowa yeah i have that um so so um i want to talk about shoes for a second here so (laughs) the future clothes they look like they're made out of like neon foam from hobby lobby or something they're (laughs) awful it's the worst shit like and their boots are huge um it's just dumb it's so dumb but then um What I really want to talk about is when we're back in present day before Bill and Ted get murdered, um, they're wearing those like pump up Reebok pumps. What was that? Was that what they were called? Yeah. And I got a serious. Yeah. I got a serious (laughs) nostalgia rush just looking at those because they're gigantic shoes. And I had a pair of those. You guys have those? No. They're worthless. They're the stupidest shoes. They're a total, (laughs) total rip. But just the concept of having like this thing that you could do on your shoe to make it more comfortable was the the most entertaining thing eight-year-old me could have ever imagined. <laughs> um, I will say there's one other thing that scared me a bunch as a kid. And even now I think that it's appropriately off-putting is when they're in their own personal hell. Oh, the grandma. Alex, 
Alex Winter playing his own grandma. Oh, that's Alex is, Winter. Okay. Yeah, that's Alex Winter under makeup. But like, yeah, that and even like the creepy bunny is like a little horrifying. I liked the, the bunny. The bunny is running fun. down the aisle is what was really creepy. <laughs> it looks like it's straight out of the King Diamond Welcome Home music video. <laughs> <laughs> like grandma, welcome home. <laughs> I knew you'd like that reference. Thank like, you. Reference to King Diamond for Scott to sing. Yeah, and, and so that goes back to. Clerks 2, you know, that, that's also why I prefer Grandma, Clerks Grandma, what was it like? <laughs> Randall, you know I don't like to talk about Dark's forces. I'm sorry, they might have been me. Um, so... If he's going to jerk off, I'm going to jerk off. <laughs> so there's a, there's a thing that I have said for years because of this movie, and I thought that it was made up for this movie until I did research. But uh, when they first meet Station, and he's doing charades, and it's uh, Einstein. He goes, Smokey and the Bandit 3? Smokey is the Bandit! <laughs> and that is an actual sequel, which I didn't know There's was the third one? They did a third Smokey and the Bandit movie, but um, Burt Reynolds refused to be in it. And one of the original pitches, you can find the, uh, the movie trailer, they ended up scrapping it and doing it differently, but the actor who played Smokey was also going to play the bandit. Like he was going to do both roles. So the title was Smokey and the Bandit 3. Smokey is the bandit. Wow. Oh, man. And then test screenings were like, this is really fucking confusing. So they brought in, <laughs> they brought in someone to play the bandit and change the title. But I was like, I was just thought that was like they made up a fake movie because it's they're in heaven and they've seen like everything that's ever existed. <laughs> but yeah. No, that's a thing. Huh. It's just ridiculous to me. So so about Station, I do really like Rubber Suit creatures obviously and station is fun ish but just annoying because it's basically i am groot 1991 or whenever this came out like it's basically all station does is say station and it's yeah. the exact same thing as as vin diesel taking 200 takes of i am groot like in different yeah. voices well and i the movie does a weird thing here's the thing with this movie is that it's weirdly smarter than it has any right to be and i think it's let's not element... get crazy here man <laughs> well well but hear, hear me out it's an element of having the exact same writers from the first movie doing the sequel and like doing it because they wanted to do it not because like someone told them they had to do it so there's like these little things like the fact that throughout from the start of the movie all the way to the end of the movie in the future people just use station as like a as a greeting and realizing like, oh, it's because like Bill and Ted, when they do all this stuff, they've introduced station into like the new lexicon. Um, but even when evil Bill and Ted land outside of the special K or the circle K, if you look in that, if you look at the at the wide shot there, their uh, telephone booth lands and there's like a burnt telephone booth square elsewhere mm -hmm. from the first movie when the telephone booth landed at the circle. Okay. Like they really did like these little tiny things to make sure that stuff tied together, which is what I think is so weird because this movie has such a fuck you attitude to time travel movies. Like <laughs> the last five minutes of this movie feels like it's making fun of back to the future too, in the sense of like, you've got back to the future too, which is like this, two hour long movie of all of these things that they have to do to like perfect the timeline. And then Bill and Ted just take it from the perspective of like, 
well, if we succeed it, we succeed it. And if we didn't, we did it. So they're just like, yeah, we're going to set up a trap. And then like the trap just like drops. Like I think is like weirdly charming in the just like, we don't have time to do the actual time travel. So we're just going to say that it happened and everything worked out perfectly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I find it charming. I, I did find the ending charming. Um, I don't know. I just feel like I, I, I yeah, I like, it's hard. It's hard to admit that I liked how stupid the ending was. That yeah. they were like, "We knew that you were gonna do that, so we did this, and then we did this." <laughs> and that's like kind of a reference to the first movie, um, where they. It, it's only like one quick scene, but he's like, they're locked out of a house, and he's like, "Man, if only we had a key." And he's like, "Hey, what if we got in the time machine and went back in time and hit a key underneath that rock?" And then they just like lift up the rock and the keys there. And then they like move on with the plot. But like that, they took that to like such a more absurd level in this one where it's like, we built a cage and we had this plan. And then we went back in time because we knew you wanted to make a key. So we made a key and a fake gun. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's a little much. It's just, just, I don't know. I get, I get why it's funny and I get that it's. See, this is why I enjoy this, right? (laughs) There's a show on Amazon prime called horrible histories. And it's uh, a British like puppet show that goes through like all of history and how fucked up history was. And it's all like really true, but it's done in like this like slapsticky British comedy. And Jay doesn't love the show, but she loves how much I love the show. So it's entertaining <laughs> to her. And I just adore how much Matt adores this movie and how he talks about it right now, which just makes me adore this movie a little bit. <laughs> I really like I had a smile on my face for 90 straight minutes watching this movie. I was just like, I love this. If I, I only smiled when it was over. <laughs> when you heard Gaga rock and roll to you. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the only time I smiled was when I realized that that was actually in such a person by um, Midtown, Midtown on their oh, first record. So Save the world, lose the girl. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, it's, uh, I love how shitty the good robots look that station built. Like you've got these evil robots that literally look identical to the actors playing Bill and Ted. And then you've got characters that look like they were built out of Legos. Like it just looks like a Lego set. Um, And I like, it's like so dumb. Like they come bursting out of the wall and the evil Bill and Ted don't even put up a fight. They're just like, oh, bro, it looks like we met our match. And then they just like stick out their heads and prepare to be decapitated. <laughs> it's such like a phone in. And I kind of like that it's a phone in. Um, I also own the soundtrack to this movie. I love this soundtrack. Of course you do. Like, um, I don't understand why you always put that up as like a, well, I own it. I mean, like, um, we know you own no, it all. I'm leading into something. My oh, favorite sorry. song on the soundtrack besides God Gave Rock and Roll to you, because obviously it's the greatest song ever written and united the world, um, is Winger's Battle Stations, which is the song that plays while they're building the robots in the back of the van. It's like, take no prisoners, open fire, battle stations. <laughs> <laughs> like, someone tries to brainwash me, battle stations. <laughs> Uh, and then you got a Primus cameo out of fucking nowhere. Yeah, so weird. Because <laughs> they were like nobodies at this point. I think this was before uh, Jerry was a race car driver. I think they were a fairly new band that just happened to be in California. And they're like, hey, we need a band. You want to do it? Unless Claypool, who I assume just sounds the way he talks, was like, yeah, I'll do that. 
Yeah. <laughs> like, is that how he sounds? Yes. <laughs> okay. I know you might have thought that Les Claypool just walked into my basement to talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> how do you know him? Well, Rocco is mad and I go back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so now Trey Parker's there. Okay. <laughs> got a whole point of the Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean... I've kind of just rocked through most of my notes because they're all quotes. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, I get that this movie is not for everybody. I was fully aware of that. I was hopeful that Scott would have fun. But there was also part of me that was like, Scott also might hate this because it's very like dumb slapstick humor. That, and you know that, how I feel about slapstick. I know. And that's where I was like, oh, like I'm watching it. Because at first I'm like, how could Scott hate this movie? And then I'm like watching it. I'm like, okay, I can see how Scott. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I still love this movie, but I can absolutely see how Scott can hate this movie. But whatever. You always, you know, you're sly. You're sneaky. You picked Return of Swamp Thing. Like, you're not just going to pick it for a regular episode later. I like to hedge my bets. Whatever. Don't judge. I don't even know which one I picked because we didn't go through that. You picked Flash Gordon. (laughs) Oh, come on. You want to talk about the ending song to this movie? <laughs> what about you being an ending song to that? Hush! Oh. <laughs> the girl of the world, every child in the world is flash! <laughs> oh, man. Well, that was Flash Gordon. Yeah. Thanks for listening. <laughs> we'll be here all week. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I got nothing else to say. It's not really a movie that you're going to do a deep dive. I was actually pleasantly surprised that this movie had like a 61% on Rotten Tomatoes for both the critics and the the readers. That's pretty shocking. Yeah, I was like, okay, the critics probably hated this. You know who fucking loved this movie? Roger Ebert. Three and a half stars out what? of four for Bill and Ted's what? Bogus Journey. How? It just blows my mind that you look at this movie and you're like, holy shit, Keanu Reeves is in this movie. The guy <laughs> the guy in Bram Stoker's Dracula with Here Winona Ryder, who was in Beetlejuice, <laughs> is in this movie. <laughs> Woo! Oh my god. <laughs> Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. Meanwhile, in New Jersey... So Marissa, what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well Jackie, let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy. Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil and horror. We can point out the triangle boobs, talk about the blood splatter, and oh, the practical effects. Um, and also the male gaze. My gaze at the males. Hi-oh! 
From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app. Ah, the smell of the video store. I love this place. Do you remember when you could just look at the walls of covers? We had to choose just by looking at the cover and reading the crappy synopsis. It was, you were leaving with one. And the only way to know what new movies were coming out is you actually had to watch the trailers instead of skipping them. Right, we didn't have the internet to look it up. We had one guy named Todd behind the counter that would tell us what was good or not. (laughs) And Todd strangely liked way too many romantic comedies. Yes, but you always knew when the boobies were coming because Todd made sure. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and remember all the awful CG we had to put up with in the mid-90s? We talk about that a lot, don't we? Join us on Analog Jones and the Temple Film, where we talk about VHS tapes. And we wax nostalgia like none other. What was your guys' double feature? Bill oh. and Ted's Excellent Adventure? I don't. I, <laughs> I know mine, and I, I'm going to get it before Matt does. Rest in peace, Paul Walker. Meet the fucking Deedles. Oh, that is a a good, good fucking pick. Dude, Scott, Meet the Deedles is a movie that you will hate, but... I know. But you will love the soundtrack. Hold on a second. It's one of the most unreasonably 90s soundtracks that has ever been released. Uh, I mean, it's no Dracula 2000. Oh, no, don't you... You you get yourself ready. Um, So it came out in 1998. Here's the soundtrack. So it had a hit single on it. And that hit single was uh, Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, Wrong Thing Right Then. The I sure said the wrong thing right then. Um, whatever. But it also has Dance Hall Crashers, The Gold, uh, Goldfinger, Cherry Poppin' Daddies, Hepcat, Jerry Huey, Save Ferris, Gagata, and then a couple bands I've never heard of. Wait, uh, basically, but- the only one that you just said that I recognized was Save Ferris. That's Gold inaccurate because I said Goldfinger and Cherry Pop oh, and Daddy. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I, I must have. Uh, I was and like, Dan- Gagata? What the fuck is that? Oh, you know Gagita. They had a they had a minor single. Here's the single that they had. All I want to do is to thank you. Even though I don't know who you are, you let me change lanes while I was driving in my car. Whoever you are, I want to thank you, whoever you are. It was like in car commercials and shit in the 90s. Wow. Now, you guys couldn't see, but I was just dancing pretty heavy (laughs) along to Matt Singer. (laughs) Do you you remember that song? I was doing a bullet in my, a gun in my mouth kind of thing. Also, you don't know Hepcat? What? No. Okay. I mean, the term or the band? The band. The band Hepcat. Uh, It was a ska band um, from like the late 80s into the mid 90s. But they were notable because the lead singer of the band was, um, what the hell is his name? Uh, Alex Desert, who is an actor. He was in, uh, he was in Boy Meets World as one of the teachers, but he's in um, PCU. He's like uh, Jerry Piven's right hand man. The one that they like put the, uh, the dog treats in his bag at the airport and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was in a ska band that was like a way more like reggae-esque ska band called Hepcat. 
that's like hit or miss. Some of their songs are really, really fucking good. And some it's of a ska them, band. Of course, everything's hit or miss. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, I'm you. saying that as, how dare you? <laughs> I'm saying there that is, as a ska fan. There is not a single miss on Keysby Nights or on Turn the Radio Off or on Goldfinger Self Titled. Well, you picked three <laughs> albums that I don't really like. So there you go. Really? I yeah. mean, I guess, I guess two of those doesn't shock me, but I didn't realize you didn't like Turn the Radio Off. I like but... it. I don't think it's a very good record. Oh, I love it. I like album. individual songs on it, but if I'm listening to Real Big Fish, I'm going to listen to Why Do They Why Rock, Rock So Star? Hard yeah. or see, Cheer Up. See, for me, like, I would say battling out for my favorite album of all time is either Turn the Radio Off or uh, the, the Hippos Heads yeah. Are Gonna Roll. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but that's the but thing I mean, is that, that, that uh, when I think of ska, Real Big Fish is obviously my favorite band, but they're like the least ska ska band. They're like an arena rock band that is trying became, to do ska songs. Yeah, that had horns. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I I mean that's like what that's, I like about them. They did a thing kind of similar to like the later years of Five Iron, where like Five Iron basically was like, "Hey, Chicago wasn't a ska band, and they had horns." Wow. Anyway, my double feature would be another sequel that I adore more than the original that involves two dimwitted characters, and that is Wayne's World Two. Um, oh, solid oh. choice. <laughs> Don't call me. All right, I don't want to come over for that double feature. You don't like Wayne's World too? I don't like Wayne's World at all. Yeah, he doesn't like Wayne's World at all. Oh, which is like what I forgot. Boy. I was like, oh, damn it! <laughs> as soon are, as I started are we doing watching buddy? It, are we doing buddy comedies? Is that our our double feature for this? No, because like here's the thing: Meet the Deedles is literally just like someone's like, hey, we don't have the budget for Bill and Ted movie. Let's just <laughs> let's just make up two other characters. Yeah. And have these stoners end up being like rangers at a national park. But all they want to do is skate and surf. Um, Well, okay, if we're if we're going to go with like grunge skater culture, I do have a movie that would save my shitty night after watching Bill and Ted's bogus journey. Airborne. All right. Brian, have you seen Airborne? Airborne? No, but it sounds fancy. It's Jack Black and Seth Green when they were. Yeah. Yeah, it's oh. great. It's it's about a, a surfer kid from California who comes to live in Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati? Yeah, I think so. I think Cincinnati, Somewhere Cincinnati in Ohio. Ohio um, for the winter while his parents are doing an archaeological dig or something like that and his with his cousin. So the mom is played by the woman who – or Seth Green's mom is played by Chastity Pariah – you know the church lady in Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, 1989? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Seth Green is his cousin. Jack Black is on the hockey team. It's because it's obviously Cincinnati, you know. We all love hockey in Ohio, I guess. We're not Michigan, but whatever. Um, so everybody cares about every all everything. Fuck. All anybody cares about is hockey. And it's like January, February, March. And he, the surfer kid, is just can't fit in because he's like a surfer dude, and everybody's like, "What is that? You know, why you talk like that?" And he finds this girl he thinks is cute, and then they have like their break, their meet cute, then they break up, and then to get her back, since you know you can't skateboard in Ohio, he rollerblades because they were like, "You know what we're missing? We gotta, we gotta do the the uh, p- product placement thing." So they get him some fucking rollerblades and he wrote, they have a rollerblade race down the devil's backbone, which is uh, yeah. 
some crazy hills in Cincinnati. And um, he wins. She loves him. And freeze frame end of the movie. <laughs> but Scott, you're missing the best part about that movie, which is that every single time that anyone does a gnarly trick, it is the same guitar riff every single time, which is just a single guitar going, wow. <laughs> like it happens. Like, uh, it was actually. But at least it's not Bill and Ted. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nobody's doing is... air guitar in Airborne. <laughs> which, I mean, missed opportunity. Yeah. But. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to throw, I'm going to actually, because this has been sitting around collecting dust for like 10 years. Airborne inspired a fake movie trailer that I did for the St. Mort show years ago. And I'm going to put it on at the end of this episode because I'm still really, really proud of it. Uh, And it was the story of the president's skateboarding son who has to save his dad when Air Force One gets hijacked. And the movie was called Permission to Board. (laughs) 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 That is the most Matt Kelly shit I have ever heard in my entire life. So when you hear the commercial, I do have to give appropriate uh, attributes or whatever. Uh, I did all of the voices of every character in the movie, uh, as well as the voiceover voice. But the background music was done by my buddy Matt from the band cassettes and team Goldie. Cause he's like an eighties junkie. And I was like, Hey man, I need you to just lay down like a sick, like 30 minute, like synthy eighties rock song that I can put underneath this trailer. And uh, he fucking knocked it out of the park. So enjoy uh, this. And we'll be back next week talking about horror movies. Uh, and I don't know. I think that is, I think that you're going to have a hunk of hunk of burning love for the movie that we talk about next week. So tune Come in on, man. and see, <laughs> see <laughs> what it is. Billy is just your everyday ordinary teenager, except his dad is the President of the United States. But when a gang of skateboarding ninjas start terrorizing the country, there's no other option but to outlaw skateboarding altogether. Billy's world gets turned upside down. I'm sorry, Youth of America, but my hands are tied on this one. If you're seen skateboarding, you'll be arrested and fined. No, you can't do this, Dad! But when the president is kidnapped, it's up to the president's rebellious son and a bunch of ragtag high school outcasts to save the president and help the youth of America get their favorite pastime back. This isn't just about skateboarding. It's about the First Amendment of skateboarding in the Disney Channel exclusive Permission to Board, airing this Friday. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. Meanwhile, in New Jersey... So Marissa, what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well Jackie, 
Let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy. Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil and horror. We can point out the triangle boobs, talk about the blood splatter, and oh, the practical effects. <sighs> um, and also the male gaze. My gaze at the males. hi From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 